Project Roomkey, a grand name for an audacious project. The federal government would provide California money to shelter thousands of unhoused people in empty hotel rooms during the COVID-19 pandemic, and voila, coronavirus outbreaks averted. People off the streets, hotels get money at a time of crisis. Los Angeles County grasped at this opportunity, seeing it as a way to transition homeless folks into permanent housing as well. But as the program concludes, some see it as a success, while others deem Project Roomkey a failure. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Wednesday, October 6th, 2021. Today, we examine Project Roomkey, its promises, its achievements, its shortcomings, its future. We talk to LA Times reporters, Benjamin Oreskes and Doug Smith, who have covered it from the start. And we also chat with the head of a nonprofit that helps people transition out of homelessness. To Project Room Key's architects, it was a no-brainer. Thousands of hotel rooms were empty because of the COVID-19 pandemic. People needed to be housed, so put them in those empty rooms, pay the owners, and two problems solved. Sounds easy, right? The execution helped some, but not all, though. And homeless numbers remain higher than ever in California, and especially in Los Angeles County. My LA Times colleagues, Benjamin Oreskes and Doug Smith, cover homelessness. Benjamin, Doug, welcome to The Times. Hey, Gustavo. Thank you. So Project Room Key, Benjamin, who thought of the idea, who was eligible, and how was it supposed to play out? Let's cast our minds back to the beginning of the pandemic as we watched huge outbreaks occur in some of the city, county, state's largest homeless shelters where people are packed together very, very closely. City, state, county, federal officials worried about how people would fare in these places that tend to be a petri of disease of all different kinds. So they conceived of a plan in California where they would rent hotel rooms for homeless people who many who were either staying on the streets or in shelters. And they did this throughout the state, actually throughout the country. The idea being that you would take the most medically fragile people who are most vulnerable to this virus and get them into a place where they could isolate and get them into a place where they wouldn't be as at risk of contracting a virus that we really didn't know a lot about at that period of time. So this is what they did in April and May of 2020. Doug, it seems that California somehow became the epicenter and really L.A. County. But wasn't this supposed to be a nationwide program? I think it was a program that came out of Governor Newsom's office. It was funded by FEMA. So it was intended to be a nationwide program. But I think California, as you said, California is the focus of homelessness around the country. And Los Angeles County is the epicenter of homelessness in California. So the program really had its biggest impact in Los Angeles County. And so the promises that its creators had, what did they tell local governments, hotel owners, nonprofits who helped the unhoused and the people who would occupy those empty rooms? What would they tell them to say, hey, buy into Project Roomkey? It really was an effort to try to help hotels that had no tourists coming, no business travel, and no future. And it was meant for them to say, hey, we are going to pay you to fill your rooms. It might not be the people who normally had been in these hotels, but it was also people who needed a, a warm bed and a place to sleep and shower. So there was a real optimism about it. And at the same time, there were places that didn't want to be part of this. And Governor Newsom and the Board of Supervisors 
were very quick to stamp out any forms of NIMBY discontent. There were hotels that were worried that this would cause reputational damage to them. There were also hotels that worried about the insurance. These were two things we heard that sort of held back the numbers from getting higher. Uh, the goal in L.A. County had been 15,000, getting 15,000 people off the streets. They never got more than 4,200 rooms. That is sort of a sign of how bad homelessness has gotten in our city and county, but also of how much work they did. This was probably one of the largest operations of getting people off the streets and into shelter, but it was a sort of drop in the bucket. And some of the reasons for why it was a drop in the bucket had to do with skepticism from hotel owners and also from various other parts of the business community. A couple of cities actually found out that hotels in the city were planning to lease to Project Roomkey, and they threw a fit, tried to block them. The city actually went to court to prevent cities from getting in the way of these hotels. Was it one of my cities down here in Orange County, Laguna Hills, or one of those lagunas like that? I believe so. I also think a hotel in Norwalk they tried to stop, and the county, L.A. County, that is, in that circumstance, would not play ball with this. There have been other instances, Doug, you'll remember better than me, but this was really a moment where they felt they had no patience for the sort of usual excuses, anger, frustration that we hear when homeless people are put in shelters in communities like this. Doug, how did it all end up rolling out then? Like the actual execution of it. So you have cities getting angry, but some hotels saying, okay, I'll take this money. I'll accept these folks in. How did that roll out? Well, it kind of had two personalities. One was that LASA, the Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, established the 15,000 target based on its homeless management information system, which is a database of every homeless person they've had contact with. And they just looked at the medical histories of those people and found 15,000 that met the criteria established by the CDC for being vulnerable to hospitalization or death from COVID. That number was never a practical number. It was just the number they felt there was an obligation to get those people indoors. For the hotels that opened, it ran pretty smoothly. They got people in and they got those people into a safe environment, but they never had enough rooms. And in fact, over the first few weeks, they started to build up a waiting list because the outreach workers were out there in the field talking people up and saying, we can get you into a hotel. And then all of a sudden the hotel rooms were all full and they couldn't. And so they ended up with a 5,000 person waiting list, which people eventually would get in. Other people would leave. It didn't work for some people. There was too much regimen for certain people that they had to be in by a certain time. They felt isolated in their rooms. They didn't have the contact that they would have on the street. So about a thousand people just walked out. It just wasn't for them. What I would add to that is that moving a person from the sidewalk into a hotel is a very traumatic, for lack of a better word, adjustment. Uh, you know, we, along with our colleague Emily Albert Reyes, wrote a story about deaths in Project Room Key hotels. Over the last year, as of the spring, there had been 49 deaths in Project Room Key hotels. I mean, that's out of thousands of people who cycled through these, so it's not a big number. But in one hotel, there had been eight deaths. And what we saw a lot was people isolated and using drugs that they had been using on the streets in a different form of community where they were close around people and they could be monitored more closely. And in the case, they kind of overdosed in their rooms alone. That was something we saw. What we really 
took away from this experience was how impaired and how sick many people are on the streets. And this hotel program was a real lifeline for many of them, underscoring the idea that you give a person a bed and a shower and you can really help them a lot, but also that a lot of these people are much sicker in various different ways and need a lot more help than just that room. We'll be back after this break. Doug, the point of Project Roomkey wasn't just to get people off of the street and, you know, once COVID was over, if it was ever going to be over, then just let them off. One of the points was that no one would be abandoned to be left back on the street once the program ended. Did it work out that way? Yes, it did. But there's a lot we don't know. One of the issues that came up with Project Roomkey is the funding, a large portion of which came from FEMA, the, the, a federal agency had to be applied for. And so the city and the county had to front the money and they didn't know how long it was going to last. It was initially going to last only through the end of 2020. And then it was extended. But by the time it had extended, they were already closing down some of the hotels because they didn't want to have to close them down all at once. And then they reopened some because the funding was extended. And so there were a lot of messy edges in the way it developed. Ultimately, a lot of people did move out from room key into other forms of interim housing, but they're still moving people into project room key. And over time, its underlying purpose changed from addressing COVID to being a gigantic shelter system, which was used when the city cleared up Echo Park. The LA Grand Hotel, which has, I think, 383 rooms, was closing down. And when the city moved to close Echo Park, they reopened the LA Grand and sent a couple of hundred people there And then when the city closed down the homeless camps in Venice Beach, they sent a lot of people into Project Room Key hotels there from that. And those people are now, they're trying to find homes for them. Some of the hotels are still open and they might be open still for a long time. So there's no clear picture there. And Ben, didn't the city of Los Angeles buy some of these hotels using that Project Room Key money and then basically are going to keep them as shelters? So you have Project Room Key and then you have Project Home Key. You know, where they get these names, who knows, but... Grandiose names. Grandiose (laughs) names for grandiose politicians. They, in the course of the pandemic last year, received hundreds of millions of dollars from the federal government through these various stimulus packages that were these one-off infusions of capital. What better to do with that money than buy real estate? So in LA, they actually bought a bunch of these hotels that had been part of Project Roomkey they spent something like six or $700 million and added 6,000 rooms to the sort of homeless system of care. A lot of these are interim housing, so temporary shelter for people. But the hope is that many of them will be turned into permanent housing with a level of care connected to it and a housing voucher from the federal government. So again, this program, Home Key, along with Room Key, are these byproducts of this moment of crisis in our country where tons of money is being thrown at problems and allows them to do things that are really unprecedented. But also, the problems are so bad in California in terms of how many people are on the streets that you don't necessarily see the impact on your walk to your coffee shop or your drive to work. But at the same time, 
Creating 6,000 new units of housing in a year is unprecedented, unheard of in our state. The ultimate impact of Project Room Key, it's over now. So what does the state of California or the county of Los Angeles plan to do in terms of either continuing it some ways, learning from its lessons, or just abandoning it altogether? It's unclear, I think is the best way to put it. And that was what all of our sources basically in reporting the story in August said to us, that the FEMA reimbursement, which is this complicated process where the city pays out money with the hope that in months, weeks, years, they'll get paid back, had gone from 75% of what they spent to 100% of what they spent. It was supposed to at first expire at one date, and then it was going to expire at another date. The state has made available another $150 million to fund these hotels. So some of them we know will be around until the end of the year. But again, this uncertainty for organizations like nonprofits that don't have a lot of cash, money comes in and goes really quickly back out, is very difficult to sustain. And uh, one provider who we both spoke to basically pulled his nonprofit out of it in fall of 2020 because he couldn't deal with the uncertainty and what that was doing to his bottom line. And then you feel that uncertainty kind of trickle down to the people who are in these hotels. The point there being outreach workers are consulting with them a lot. They're telling them, oh, we're going to get you a voucher. We're going to help you get into permanent housing. But getting a voucher is the first step. Then you got to find your apartment. We all know how hard it is to find a place to live in LA, even if you're rich. It's just a difficult process. Can that process be pulled off in time before the hotel you're staying at is no more? That is sort of these difficult decisions for people who are homeless, for people who are running these shelters or these hotels, and there's no easy solution and no clear picture of how it will look in six months' time. Doug, in the story that the two of you wrote, there's this great line that speaks to this division over the legacy of Project Room Key. Quote, and this is the line, quote, some judge it a brilliant success and others a tough learning experience. Two assessments that are not strictly contradictory. So, um, Doug, uh, which is it? It is both. As Ben said earlier, there's never been a time in California history when in a short period of time in Los Angeles County history in which 4,000 people got into rooms in a matter of two or three months, but it had no, it didn't have permanency. And it turned out it wasn't the best situation to move those people into housing. So it was a brilliant success. It got people off the street. Initially, the guiding principle was that it was to save lives. And it did save lives. It's impossible to know how many lives it saved. There were people, as Ben said, people who died in Project Room Key, but they were very sick people or there were people who died of drug overdoses. So it did save lives, but we don't know how many. And that's kind of the essence of what Project Room Key was. In a way, it's like saying a program to prevent people from becoming homeless. You can say that you give money to people to pay their back rent and they don't become homeless. But what you don't know is, were they going to become homeless anyway or not? There's no definitive answer, but it is a little bit of both. It seems, Benjamin, like Project Roomkey swung for the fences, trying to hit a home run and instead hit a dribbler, a single. But hey, they did get on base. I do think that when you talk to officials in government, they view it as, as a home run. Does that say something about their sense of the depths of the crisis, that they don't realize how many people were still left out there? That's a question for them. But at the same time, I take a view of this like Doug, that we have never seen so many resources being devoted to homelessness and not feeling the impact of that on the street. I think that says something more about how much responsibility was abdicated 
through the years and less about the necessarily the impact of the program. That being said, the city has these hotels open still in some cases, and the state is pouring even more money, billions of dollars over the next two years into buying more hotels and trying to transition them into interim housing. They really liked this model and they think it is part of this package of solutions that can help bring more people inside. Gustavo, if I could complete your analogy, I would say there was a single, a stolen base, a sacrifice, and a squeeze run, but we're still down three to one in the seventh. Future (laughs) Vin Scully here. (laughs) Doug, that's a great way to end this conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Up next, an organization that helps the unhoused found Project Roomkey to be a blessing. Stephanie Klasky Gamer is the CEO of LA Family Housing. It's a nonprofit that helps people transition out of homelessness. It operated four hotels for Project Roomkey. Stephanie, welcome to The Times. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. You've done this type of work for many years. How would you classify Project Roomkey? A success, a failure, maybe somewhere in between? No, I think Project Roomkey was absolutely a success. In large part, it's because it showed us that when we direct resources, to what our participants need, we can successfully bring them indoors. Why did LA Family Housing participate? Why do we participate? Because when given an opportunity to serve our community, to serve our participants in need, we will always jump at that opportunity. We were proud to be part of the county and the city's effort in response to COVID. But in many ways, Project Room Key was a response that we needed before the pandemic as well. It was taking advantage of a unique opportunity that the pandemic brought. It's fascinating to me that it took a crisis to make this happen, like a big crisis, like a pandemic, even though homelessness is a crisis. But once that happened, it seemed everyone was of that same mindset to just make it happen. And now it opens up the possibilities of what could be done. Absolutely. And I do want to point out, though, what was done under Project Roomkey isn't the end solution to ending homelessness. What was done under Project Roomkey was a temporary situation to avoid the spread of the virus. What I believe we forgot as a community while Project Roomkey has been under operation is that just because people moved inside, if they didn't move into a permanent setting, we truly didn't end homelessness for them. And so continuing this collective effort is what is so critically needed to truly end homelessness in our community. The people that you helped, Stephanie, were they happy with their experiences with Project Roomkey? I believe there was tremendous gratitude from our staff and from our participants in terms of the education, the resources to protective gear, the resources on how to stop the spread. There was nowhere near the numbers that anyone expected in terms of the spread of COVID among our participant population. So I think there was tremendous gratitude from my staff, from my colleagues, and from the community that we serve that they were kept healthy during this time. In terms of coming indoors, well, I think, you know, everyone wants to come indoors. I know there is a lot of 
misconception that people choose to stay outside. But truly, until we had the resources to bring people inside, we wouldn't know. If we don't have enough rooms, beds, shelter for people to come indoors, it's hard to claim that they're choosing to be outside. There isn't enough places for them to come inside. There was not anyone who we invited to come indoors under Project Room Key that didn't choose to come indoors. Wow. I should clarify, not anyone that LA Family Housing worked with. People really welcomed this opportunity. In fact, there were large encampments 50, 75 people who had been living outdoors in one community for years, who for the first time we were able to move inside because of Project Room Key, because we were able to keep that community together because we had a space large enough for all of them to move indoors. Did this opportunity of bringing people indoors, did that make it easier to find permanent housing for folks? Or did you see the same struggles that we've had in the past? You can't find permanent housing for folks where there is not any housing. So we have very low vacancy rates throughout Los Angeles. And we have a period in time, particularly under the pandemic, where so many other people were at risk of losing their housing, not people who had experienced homelessness before, but people who were now experiencing food and financial insecurity because loss of job or because their children were now home and not receiving the meals that they typically received at school, or they were home and a parent needed to be home with them and not work anymore. When you have so many people all in demand for the few vacant units that exist in the community, many landlords would choose to rent to somebody with some form of income rather than to somebody who has experienced homelessness, may not have stable credit or rental history, And so coming inside doesn't aid moving people into permanent housing. Available permanent housing is what helps people move into permanent housing. Sorry, that sounds so simple, but it really is not rocket science how you end homelessness in somebody's life. They need a home. And Project Room Key, for as much of a success as I believe it was, was never intended to be a permanent solution. So unless we did something drastically different During the 18 months so far of Project Room Key, there was no way that everyone that moved inside temporarily under Project Room Key would be able to move into permanent housing. Project Room Key was, of course, funded with federal funds given to the state of California. But Los Angeles County seemed to be the one place that just embraced it, even though, of course, the issue of homelessness is all across the country, really, especially in big cities. What do you think were the unique circumstances of Los Angeles County that led to Project Room Key happening here? I think the scale of our homeless crisis in L.A. County is a huge factor. And I think there is political will to do something different This was an opportunity that just fell in our laps in a way. And so everyone embraced it. I think the partnership between the public sector and your private nonprofit service providers is also a strong partnership. And so the city didn't accept, the county didn't accept taking these dollars without knowing that there was a provider community that was going to step up and operate these hotels. Project Room Key seemed to be the idea of a possibility, like, hey, if we're able to do this, maybe we could try other things as well. So what haven't we tried locally and nationally to house people that you would like to see happen? Well, I think we have a phenomenal opportunity now with Project Home Key, 
where we are receiving from the federal government dollars to the state, and our governor has elected to invest those dollars in Project Home Key, which is now the acquisition of these vacant assets around the community that could be turned immediately into permanent housing. I think if there was any shortcoming in Project Room Key, it was the fact that we didn't do anything different during that year and a half period to create new permanent opportunities. Once the resources flowed into the city for Project Home Key, those dollars really should have been put towards permanent housing. Right now, the city is emphasizing with Project Home Key, temporary housing. And unfortunately, that is just an extension of Project Room Key. We really need to dedicate the resources to create those permanent units. So you would like to see a Project Room Key style program, but now dedicated to permanent housing as opposed to just a room or temporary shelters? Yes, I would love to see that the city dedicate a Project Home Key model to permanent housing. And I do believe that is what the city is doing with the second phase of Project Home Key dollars. What we lovingly call Project Home Key 2.0 <laughs> will focus on permanent housing. And I think that is a really smart direction and the right move for the city of Los Angeles. Stephanie, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. That's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, a year and a half into the COVID-19 pandemic, hospital nurses are more essential than ever and more tired. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Melissa Kaplan, Marina Peña, and Ashley Brown. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb, and our theme music is by Andrew Even. Special thanks to Mike Heflin. Like what you're listening to? then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us to Puccia Podcasts. I'm Gustavo Arellano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and desmadre. Gracias. <laughs> <laughs>